Jesus made each star in heaven. He created earth and sea. He's the keeper of all knowledge. What is past and what will be. Yet he offers his great wisdom, so you will not lose your way. Like a lamp it glows, every step it shows, you can know his will each day. Trust his word. Trust his word. All God's promises are true. Trust his word. When your pathway disappears, when your joy gives way to tears, when you're plagued by doubts and fears, Trust his word. <clears throat> he is not a distant stranger. He can be your closest friend. And he'll always listen closely when you share your heart with him. Jesus walks the path beside you. He has been there all along. And he'll guide your feet when your step is weak and your strength is almost gone. Trust his word, trust his word. All God's promises are true. Trust his word. When your pathway disappears, when your joy gives way to tears, when you're plagued by doubts and fears, trust his word, trust his word, trust his word. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs while I get these notes up real quick. Continuing on our series of messages on the home, marriage, and parenting. And tonight's message is probably going to be one of the harder ones for me to preach overall because the topic isn't... Yes, my microphone should be on. Try again. Is it on now? Okay. So what, when it's on, when it's handed to me, I tend to shut it off when I get up here. <laughs> so that's, that's usually what happens. Okay, but the topic for tonight is one that I think is it's extremely despised in our culture around us. That's one thing that makes it hard to preach this topic. Another thing that makes it hard sometimes to preach this topic is people just don't want to hear it. That's, that's what it comes down to. They don't, they don't want to hear about it. Um, and that can be kind of discouraging when, when you're trying to preach God's word. You're trying to explain things the way that God has designed our homes to be. And people turn a deaf ear to that. And, but tonight, as we approach this topic, we're going to have a temptation. Some people are going to have a temptation to slip into listening to the world's philosophy on this topic. And I think a lot of times with this topic, no longer is the Bible taken at face value and believed for what it says, 
And some people have even try, have gone so far to try and redefine what the Bible actually says so they can avoid the topic altogether and just do what they want to do. Many Christians today, I believe, are not submitted to the authority of God in this matter. And they think that they know better than God does. But our topic for tonight is going to be discipline. Or for you kids, here's the topic, spanking. Okay, so, okay, and it isn't easy, although I joke with my kids all the time. Every Christmas, I say, I'm going to buy you guys an automatic spanking machine for Christmas. Okay, why do, why do I say that? Because that's actually the present I want, so I don't have to do the spanking anymore, right? So, okay, but a lot of people, when you talk about this topic, they, they bristle. They're, they, they, they're standoffish about it because they have what they think. They, anytime you read Facebook posts, you're going to come up with a philosophy about this topic if it's a parenting Facebook post. And you know what? 99.9% .9 of those Facebook posts and articles that you read, they're wrong. They're just straight up wrong. Even the ones that are written by Christians. Because they aren't based on what the Bible actually has to say. Uh, Harold Sala, I mentioned him in the past in his book, Train Up a Child and Be Glad That You Did. He gave this story by newspaper columnist, columnist Anne Landers. I don't know how long ago Ann Landers was. Do you know? Okay, so yeah. But she, she told this story about how she was witnessing a situation. I, I guess it was at somebody's house or something. And this mother and her 11-year-old boy. And the boy wanted a piece of cake. And the mom said he couldn't have it. Okay, she was firm. She said she couldn't, he couldn't have it. But the boy wasn't about to take no for an answer. And became louder and increasingly abusive to his mother. Have you seen this before? Go to Walmart, okay, so you'll, you'll come across this. Finally, the child shouted, you go to, and I've changed this just for politeness, H-E double hockey sticks, the kid said, okay. As he grabbed the piece of cake and he ran out of the room, the mother turned to Ann Landers and said, he's going through a phase. Okay, how many of us have heard that, right, okay. And it requires enormous maturity on my part to show, to not show anger when he gets like that, it's a real challenge to raise a child these days when the kids are so smart. Okay, I'm adding the sarcasm there because they are not smarter when they do this stuff. Okay, and then she turned to Ann Landers and said, don't you agree? Well, Ann Landers didn't agree with any theory of child rearing that refused to recognize the importance of discipline. She wrote in her column later, in my opinion, the theory of permissive upbringing is the most dangerous concept ever latched onto by a generation of mixed up parents. It has produced a shocking number of disturbed and spoiled brats. And I think that's where our society is. It's been that way for years, though. It isn't just like something the millennials are now re responsible for. Generations, probably almost nearly 100 years now, we've had similar problems going on in America. Hulu recently ran a contest on the best parenting techniques. I don't know if you guys saw advertisements for this, but it was a show called The Parent Test. Anybody? No? Okay, don't watch it. Okay, so, but they took sample parents from different parenting styles, which included their categories, the intensive parent, the high achievement parent, the disciplined parent, the free range uh, parent. Sorry, I think children when I think free range, because there's no parenting going involved at all of this. Okay. The, the natural parent, the helicopter parent, the child-led parent. Boy, that one was hard to watch. Okay. The, the routine parent. The negotiation parent, the traditional parent, the strict parent, and the new age parent, okay? Now, even though there was an extreme bias on the show against discipline, the two families that originally made it to the semifinals were the ones who actually disciplined their kids. They were the strict parent and the disciplined parent. And I really don't know what the difference is between those two things, because there's a lot of similarities between them. And surprisingly... A parent who spanked their kid was one of the ones who won the competition. So, but, but they put their kids through these different trials. Like one of them was the parents would arrange to go out of the house for a trip and leave the kids home alone. And then a stranger would come in and would ring the doorbell. And the test was to see what would the parents do with the stranger ringing the doorbell and then coming in the house and, and all this stuff. Some of these kids were kind of crazy. They opened that door and they gave that stranger a tour of the house, you know, so <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing to watch. I, I don't want to put Levi to that test, <laughs> so, okay. Now, we have tried to teach our kids when the doorbell is rung to say, who is it, okay, and they don't open that door unless it's mommy or daddy, okay, so they can always look out the window, right? But anyways, 
It was, it was kind, of, kind of crazy to think that the, the parents who actually disciplined their kids were the ones who made it to the semifinals. The only other group that made it up there, one of, one of the families was a Mormon family, and they all got COVID at the last minute, so they got disqualified. They were the ones who were probably closest to us. And so then they threw the new age parents in there, I think, right, to take their place. Boy, that was crazy to watch too, okay? So, but these new age parents. But as you listen to this message, you might be thinking of all kinds of arguments against what the Bible has on this topic. Um, hopefully not. And that's fine if you are approaching the topic with an open mind. I'm going to try to answer some of the common uh, rebuttals to our topic. In fact, I read an article by a Christian author who was saying she doesn't believe the Bible teaches spanking. Okay? So I read her arguments, and the rebuttal to her arguments is included in some of what we're going to say tonight. But, th- but for those of us who honestly have questions and thoughts, I want to try to deal with that. But for many... If your mind is sitting back there and you're saying, I don't like this, I don't want to hear this, that's merely just rebellion. I'm just going to call it what it is, okay? It is a refusal to accept God's authority in your life. And it is a belief that you know better than God. That's ultimately what it comes down to. We're going to start with Proverbs 13, verse number 24. Proverbs 13, verse number 24. And we'll derive a couple points from this text here so you can... Keep your, keep your finger there for a little bit. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Let's all read this verse together. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Okay? Now, if we're going to understand this verse, we're going to have to understand some of the individual words that are being used. But the first point of tonight's message is this, is the goal of discipline. The goal of discipline. What is it that we are even after to begin with, right? Uh, The key word for this passage is the word chasten, right? Verse 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. It's the same word that you will find in Hebrew for chastise and for correct. That's the same Hebrew word in the book of Proverbs. It is the Hebrew word musar, which means to train or to discipline, so the emphasis on this, in this word is not inherently on how we do the training. It is more about the, pro, or about the why we do the discipline. Okay? That's, that's its focus. The world, largely speaking, doesn't understand spanking or discipline because I honestly believe they've rarely seen it done right. In our society, when somebody does spank, what is generally the reason that they do it? Anybody? Anger. It's usually because they're embarrassed, or they're angry, they're upset, or inconvenienced, right? And so, they, and so they lash out. That is not a biblical motivation for discipline. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in this verse in a second here. But discipline is for the purpose of training our children in right and wrong. That is the ultimate goal of discipline. I believe Jeff and I, we had this conversation because he was overhearing one of the Truth Trackers devotions that we had, when, when was it, two weeks ago, a week ago now? Daniel, do you remember this one? So I think it, some, someone was talking about how spanking, discipline, the reason parents do it is because it teaches that there is a consequence to sin. There is pain associated with sin, right? You're reinforcing that message, that sin has consequences. Sin causes pain in life, and it always does, right? Sin always has consequences somewhere down the road. So this word chastise or chasten, though it is more about training, that is its focus, that is the goal, to train my child in what is right and wrong, it does carry a physical component. So let's turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. The same word here, Isaiah 53, and we're going to look at verse 5. what, What chapter is Isaiah 53? Anybody? This is the Jesus chapter. Okay, good answer. It's about the suffering servant, more specifically. Who is Jesus Christ? All we like of sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. But let's back up a verse to verse 5. And this is a prophecy about the crucifixion. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we are healed. There's four words here, all used to say the same thing. The first word is wounded. Is that physical? Yeah, okay. Second word, bruised. Is that physical? Okay, third word, chastisement. That's the question, word in question. Fourth word, stripes. Is that physical? Okay. Chastisement is used to carry the same idea as those other three words in that same verse. It's parallel with it. It's teaching the same thing. Chastisement of Jesus Christ was the beating of Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about in that passage. So the word does include a physical chastisement. Okay? So let's turn back to Proverbs 13, verse number 24. It's very important that spanking be a training opportunity. This is what I want to get across at this point. The goal of discipline is to train our children, okay? And I said this, this last time, I'm not a perfect parent. I know that. But there are some things that I have observed in my experience, and I want to talk about that. Mine, mine is the only experience I can, I can teach you from, right? That's the one that I know. My parents didn't do this very well. They didn't do it right. My dad at times was physically abusive, okay? But I can speak from what God has shown me in my relationship with my kids. And this is, this is the pattern of, that I have tried to adopt in disciplining my, ki- my children, and I recommend it. It's not just mine. Paul David Tripp recommends this. Focus on the Family recommends this. Family Life. Everybody recommends the elements that I am about to tell you who is involved in Christian parenting education, Okay? The first thing that I do when I'm, trying to dis- when I'm trying to discipline my kids, and again, I'm not perfect, but this is what I try to do, okay? Send them to their room for a couple minutes. Why do I do that? Anybody have a guess? Bella, go ahead, tell me. Good answer, okay, yeah, so I don't get mad when I'm in there, right? It gives me a chance to cool down. My kids know why I do what I do, right? That's a good thing, okay? So, yeah, it gives you a chance to cool down. Again, because one of the biggest problems we face in in discipline is anger, right? So spend some time cooling off. Get your heart right. Get your mind right before you go in there. It also allows your kid to stew and to think about what they did, okay? So, that's right. So send them to their room for a couple minutes. Second thing. I go in there. What do I do next, Bella? Go ahead. What do I do? Okay, I ask them what they did wrong. I ask them questions. I talk about, what, I talk about it to make sure they understand what they, do, what they did wrong. And then I try to point them to the word of God and what the Bible says about what they did wrong. Honestly, your discipline is pointless if they don't have a clue why you're doing it, Right? You've got, to, you've got to connect the knowledge of the offense with the discipline for them to truly learn what you're trying to teach them. And this is what true chastening, this is when it truly happens. This is the chastening right here. You're teaching them what was right and what they did wrong and that there are consequences. And then thirdly, I administer spanking if necessary. And we'll talk about this a little bit more as well. Spanking is not the answer for every problem, okay? It is the answer for some problems, and we're going to give you a, a, a filter by which you can make that decision later on. But it is not the answer for every problem. Um, an example of this, let's say I walk into the house, and the kids are being really loud, okay? I hate noise. Okay? That's, that's the honest truth. And I've told the kids not to be screaming and yelling, okay? They've, they've violated my rules. What, what should I do? Should I take them all out back and just beat them, black and blue? Spank them? Does that, does that seem rational to you? No. There are some things that you don't spank for. There are some things that it's just not, it's not just to spank. I think you look at the whole Old Testament law. God had different punishments for different crimes and different situations. Why? Because there is a different punishment for different crimes. Because justice demands there is a different punishment for different crimes. And so you administer spanking if it is necessary, when it is necessary. And then the last thing, and this is key, is make sure they know that you will always love them and hug on them for a little while. Bella, do I do this? Yeah, okay. So at the end, you want restitution of relationship, okay? It is not about the spanking. It is not about venting your anger. It is about teaching your child this is right and wrong. And when, when you've done something wrong, what does that do to your relationship with God? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It puts a block, puts a separation between me and God. 
When, when there is sin in the life of my child, it puts a block in the relationship. But when discipline is administered and they've learned the lesson, let them know they are secure in that relationship. Our children don't need to be constantly living in fear that their mommy and their daddy are going to reject them because they messed up sometime. Okay? So the first thing is the goal that's found in the word chasten in Proverbs 13, verse 24. Let's read it again. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The second point that we need to look at here is the attitude of discipline. The attitude or the motivation of discipline. It is key to understand that discipline is ultimately a loving thing. It is not meant to be an angry, hateful thing. It is meant to be done in love. And it's only in a home where love and discipline are balanced where we will find happy, secure children, where these two things go together. I know it seems ironic that, ironic that discipline would be a loving act, right? It doesn't make sense in our minds. And it is possible to discipline without love. But according to this verse, it is impossible to truly love and not discipline. If you spare the rod, what does it say you do? You hateth your son, okay? You do not want what is best for your child, ultimately, is what it comes down to. And so when you spare, you have not loved the way you think you have loved. True, what is truly loving is, is looking forward to their future and doing what is best for that child. And at the moment, it may be hard for you as a parent to spank. But to do so is not to love your child the way that God wants you to love them. So discipline produces children, first of all, who are happy, well-adjusted children. They know how to function in society. Okay? Have you seen all these kids? They, they don't know how to go to work and obey a boss. Why don't they know how to obey their boss at Chick-fil-A? Because they never got no spankings growing up, right? They never learned that there is an authority figure in life that they have to obey, they have to listen to. It also produces children that are secure because they know the limits of their behavior. Anxiety happens when there are unclear boundaries in life. You don't know where to go. You don't know what's right and wrong. If you don't know what, what your parents are going to spank you for, they're just haphazard and random, you're going to be in constant fear of how your parents are going to act. One moment they're loving, another moment they're upset at you. Why? You don't know what the boundaries are, and that causes anxiety in your children. Boundaries are ultimately comforting. Haim Ginot said, children feel more secure when they know the borders of permissible action. Okay, think about situations like this. Now, maybe your kid's like Levi, and this doesn't apply to Levi because he would probably just run out in the street if we let him. Okay? But most kids, if you say, go play in the front yard, where are they going to spend their time playing? In the center of that front yard. Why? Because they, they're afraid they might fall off into the street. They might get hurt some, somehow as they get closer to the edge because there's no boundary there. But you tell them, go play in the backyard. There's plenty of security there because there's a fence all the way, maybe not in some of y'all's houses because you guys probably got more land than I do. <laughs> okay, but you got this little, little tiny yard with a fence. The kids can play securely all the way up to the edge because there's a fence there. There's security there. And discipline helps provide that. And so it is ultimately loving. It also helps provide children who are obedient. Okay, they do what, what needs to be done. Imagine being at the Grand Canyon and you've never told your child no before. And he's walking up to the edge and looking over the edge into the Grand Canyon. And you say no for the first time in your whole life because you're afraid that child's going to fall off the cliff. And they don't listen. Because you've never said it before. Right? There's security in producing obedient children. It also produces children who are trained to make right decisions later on in life. Right? They need to know how to make those decisions. It also produces children who are taught to take responsibility for their own actions. When there's no punishment with their crime, with their sin, then they learn that they can get away with sin. And that means they can get away with whatever they want as an adult. Now, I think most of us were somewhere in the middle here. We, we learned we could get away with some things, right? Because our parents weren't consistent. And we pushed the limits. And so when we go to work, we 
take an extra five minutes off, uh, off the clock or on the clock on break and we push the limits. We try to get away with things here and there. We see how far we can go in life because that's how we were raised. But we want to teach our children to take responsibility for their actions. When you fire somebody at Chick-fil-A and they say, oh no, woe is me, you're just being mean, even though they stole 50 bucks from the till. Okay, so they, that is a child who never learned to take responsibility for their actions. This is how most of our people in our prisons are. They think they're the victims because of, because of where they are. But ultimately, they didn't get loving discipline. Some of them may have been abused, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Okay? As parents, we must be careful to make sure our attitude is always right when we discipline our children. It is easy to slip into anger and frustration, but our attitude has to be one of love. So my recommendation... Again, is that you send your children to their room, have them sit down so, or have them sit down somewhere until you can call, calm down, and then go deal with them in love and compassion. So the third, third point is the tool of discipline. Okay? Ver, verse uh, 24 again, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So the word rod here, is a general Semitic word, Shabbat, and it is used for a stick, a staff, or a scepter, okay? There is debate about what you should use to spank your kids. We'll talk about that in a second, right? But I'm just going to give you my opinions here. You can take it or leave it, but for years, I have personally spanked with my hand, okay? But I'd heard arguments my entire life that you shouldn't do that, because spanking with your hand affiliates the pain with you, the person who is supposed to be loving the child. I don't know if that's the case or not, but there, it is not an insignificant point that the author of Proverbs, inspired by God, uses the word for a rod or a stick. And I don't, I don't really think that you can avoid the association with you and the discipline, but I have transitioned in, in weeks, actually, <laughs> since I started studying and, and, uh, and preparing to using a, um, a ruler of some sort. Some people use a flexible glue stick or a ping pong paddle or something like that. Others have argued that the word rod here is not meant to be read literally, okay? And that's one of the arguments I wanna, I wanna, re, I wanna refute. They, they argue that it should just speak of parental authority because it is used for a scepter, right? It's used for a scepter, a ruler, and his authority. But that is not how this word is being used in, the, in this text, okay? So one blog I read suggested that the rod was actually supposed to just comfort the child. Think of a passage where a rod is used to comfort. Psalm 23, anybody think of that one? Okay. Thy rod and thy staff, they, what? Comfort me. Okay. Does that mean that that rod is not used on the lamb, though? You study Jewish, Jewish shepherding techniques, that's not the situation that's going on. Uh, Miss, Mr. Tillman inspired me to read the book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And so, he's not here tonight, but, uh, so, but, but he's always preaching. Is he in the nursery? That's where he is. But he's always preaching on lambs and, and sheep and cow herding, and it comes into almost every message he preaches, right? <laughs> so, but, uh, but I was inspired to pick, pick this book up and to study it. And he points out that a rod was often used to whack the sheep, whack the sheep, to get them not to wander off, right? So we can't ignore this concept of the rod. Yes, it's comfort, but why is it comfort? Because the, the sheep knows that he's going to be taken care of, that the shepherd cares enough to tell him no when he's going to walk off a cliff, right? That's how that rod gives comfort. And so he whacks the sheep to keep them from wandering off. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we cannot deny the physical aspects of chastening and discipline. Proverbs 20, verse 30. Let's go ahead and turn over there real quick. Gives a description of discipline. It's not very well translated, I'm going to be honest, and so I'm going to explain what it means. But Proverbs 20, verse 30. says, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Okay? Now, when you hear words like the blueness of a wound and stripes, what do you think of? Blood? Okay. You think of physicalness, right? You think of, yeah, blood. Blood, yeah, but that's not what this is talking about. Okay, so 
the phrase, the blueness of a wound, isn't exactly the most precise translation of this phrase. The literal meaning is the stripes of a wound. Of a, of a wound. The idea here that the discipline leaves a mark. Okay? And I, I don't recommend that necessarily, but that's, that's what it says, says here in the text. The blueness of the wound, the, the marks of the wound, the stripes of the wound, cleanseth away literal. So the literal meaning is the stripes of a wound. But the inescapable implication of this verse is that the discipline is a physical action. It, it is physical. Okay? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter number 3. And if you're thinking, Jason, I'm not a, pa- I'm not a parent. I'm not a kid. I don't think I'm ever going to be a parent. You may, you, you may have checked out so far, but this third point applies to all of us. And that is the response to discipline. Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12. And kids, you need to pay attention to this one as well. It says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Where have we heard those words before? Anybody? Yeah, where? Hebrews. It's an exact quote in Hebrews, okay? And it is applied to our relationship with the Lord and how the Lord chastens us, right? And so we are challenged in this verse to respond to chastening in don't, or don't respond in two ways and understand the love of the Lord in the chastening that he brings, okay? And we'll talk about Hebrews next week because we're going to look at a pattern for discipline from the book of Hebrews. But this is, this is the important point for those of us who may not be parents, who may not have children, who may not be children. Everybody's a child, okay? So, so you fit into this category. But there are three possible responses to discipline that are highlighted in this verse, which talks about the correction of the Lord. There is, first of all, the choice to despise the chastening. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. What does despise mean? Despite, go ahead, Jeff. Hate, okay, it's a good, good synonym. To look down upon, to look at it with indifference, to not want it, okay? Um, to, to reject it. Honestly, this is the heart of rebellion. When the Lord chastens us, we stiffen, we harden our heart. We reject what he wants. That is a wrong response. And in your children, it is a wrong response, If they harden themselves, they refuse to listen to the correction in discipline, you haven't finished your job yet. You must go further. I was challenged with this idea uh, two weeks ago at the retreat that uh, we don't just discipline for actions. We also discipline for attitudes. Because how are your children going to learn the right response and the right feelings for different situations if you do not deal with the right attitudes as well? But oftentimes... I won't tell any stories on my family members, but uh, I've known stories where, <laughs> where a child was being disciplined who refused to be disciplined, and the, the wooden spoon that was being used was broken because they would, not, they would not accept it, right? That is a wrong response to discipline in this text. It is despising, okay? The second wrong response is found in the second phrase here, neither be weary of his correction, Faint or be weary, to lose heart, to get discouraged. Some of us have a tendency to fight. Others have a tendency to flee. And both of those are dealt with in this text. They're both wrong responses to discipline. Fighting and to lose heart or become discouraged. The proper response is acceptance. This is for my good. I want what the Lord is trying to teach me. And I, I realize that he loves me like a father loves a son and delights in his son, he wants what's best. That is acceptance. Some parents are afraid to spank their children because they fear their heart will be hardened by it. They oftentimes will use the example of Pharaoh. When the 10 plagues came, what did Pharaoh do? He hardened his heart. God was chastening him, was he not? And Pharaoh hardened his heart. So some parents say, I don't want my kid's heart to get hardened, so I will never chasten them. That's not the response. That's not, that's, that's not biblically right or accurate. But this is, this is why the father in Proverbs tells the son not to despise the chastening of the Lord. Ultimately, it is an individual heart attitude. Okay? If you have been consistent in your discipline, 
it is less likely to be the case that your child will harden their heart against it when you have been properly disciplining them and consistent in it. And truly, if you don't discipline your kid, what you are actually doing is hardening their heart to do what they want to do, right? You're still hardening their heart. You're just hardening it in a different way. And they're going to do whatever they want anyways. So <clears throat> in, in this text, those are the wrong responses. We need, to, we need to respond properly to discipline in our lives. Next one is the forms of discipline. I'm a firm believer that spanking is, is not the only solution to every problem. Not everything is a spanking offense, and physical chastisement is not the solution for every single problem. Let's turn to Proverbs 29, verse 15. Proverbs 29, verse 15. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. This verse allows for two types of correction, I believe, in the text. It allows for, first of all, the rod, which we have just covered. That's, that's what our whole message is about. But the second, the second correction is reproof. It isn't, it isn't like you have to spank your child for everything that they ever do. Again, if they're being loud in the house, spanking may not be the necessary response. Reproof is an act or expression of criticism or censure. Sometimes a word is all it takes. Now, Levi's asleep, so I'm going to use him as an illustration here, okay? When Levi has misbehaved, he is extremely sensitive. And generally, I can look at him, and he will wither, okay? Do I need to pull out the ruler at, at that point when he knows he's done wrong and he, and he stands corrected by it? No. You've got to use wisdom, to understand when the right time is to do this. Now, <clears throat> you need to know the difference between when, when it's a time to spank and when it's not a time to spank. Okay? But it's going to come down to our, our, a little bit of our next point here. But the final phrase of this verse implies that if you give attention to your children by discipline, they will be what? Wise. By, re, by the rod and reproof are what? Wisdom. Okay, you correct your child, they will be wise. But if you are negligent and you let them loose without correction, what will they bring? They will bring shame to their parents because they're going to do whatever they want to do unrestrained and they'll bring shame to their parents. I think many of us, we don't discipline our kids because we're not paying attention to our kids. Our kids need our attention, positive and negative attention when they've done wrong and when they've done right. So the cause of, dis of discipline, let's look, turn to Proverbs 22, verse 15. Proverbs 22, 15. It says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it Far from him. Now I have friends, I have heard this quite often, that that word foolishness means silliness. And it does. It means to think and act without thought. Okay? However, I do not think that's what the author is trying to get across. That whenever your kids are goofy, you spank them. I don't think that's right. Kids are kids. They're going to act goofy at times. In fact, Zechariah 8, verses 4 through 6 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. So does it sound like God hates children playing? Is that, is that God's attitude towards children? Every kid who's goofing off and, and having fun, he just snaps at them immediately. Is that our God? No, it's not our God. He delights in the children playing. This is a future of the millennial kingdom when everything will be the way that it ought to be and the children will be able to play in the streets without fear of getting hit by cars because hopefully we won't have any, right? Okay, so we'll have horses, no. But, and, then he, and then he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts? This is something that is wonderful to God, to see children playing. 
I don't think that's what the meaning of this, this word foolishness here is. In fact, if you take foolishness from every other passage in the book of Proverbs, what does it imply? Sin. Things that are against God's, God's will, God's design for life. It is the opposite of wisdom. That is what foolishness is. So when it comes down to disciplining our kids, we don't just discipline them because they're being goofy all the time, although they need to learn to sit straight and act right in the right scenarios, like church tonight. They need to learn to sit here and not goof off. But there is a time when kids should be allowed to play and to have fun and to be goofy. The cause of discipline should be sinful behavior. So here are some guidelines given by Danny Huerta from Focus on the Family to help you decide when spanking is necessary, okay? So he says, spanking may be appropriate when, three, three things. It is an extremely unsafe situation, okay? Grand Canyon scenario, okay? Spank your kid. Two, when they are deliberately defiant and disobedient, they refuse to listen to what you have to say and what you have told them to do. Thirdly, when they are severely disrespectful, these are, these are times when it is appropriate to spank. When it is not appropriate, when they're simply being childish or impulsive or had an accident. Think of scenarios where potty training your kid and your kid wets his pants right there in the middle of the church uh, foyer, right? Is that a spanking situation? Even though you've been trying to train them to be potty trained, is, is spanking the solution there? No, it's not. I know people who would say yes, but it's not. It's not, the, it's, not the, it's not the solution. So when should, I di- when should I discipline? Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. The, literally, the last phrase means do not desire his death, okay, in Hebrew. But the implication is that sparing, chastening, will lead to negative consequences in his life, possibly including death. The Hebrew word yes here implies that there is a specific time in his life that this needs to be done. This also implies that there is a specific time when that process will gradually fade off and will no longer be necessary. Okay, Proverbs 13, verse 24, used the word chasten him be times. We didn't look at that word earlier. But what does be times mean? Betimes is an idiom which literally means to be looking for or searching, but the idiom means in the morning or the morning hours is is the idea, okay? So discipline should be more often in the younger years of their life, and then it should drift off the older they get. The teenage years actually aren't intended to be the worst years of your parenting. If you've laid a foundation in the earlier years, because your kids know the basics, now you're just fine-tuning things by that point. And yeah, they stop using their brains by that point, right, teens? Okay, so your prefrontal cortex doesn't get developed until you're 25, so if you're under 25, you're you're not fully an adult yet, you're not fully formed, so you may need some discipline and some spanking, okay? Anybody here under 25? No, okay. Yep, there you go. Okay. But you want to put the emphasis on this in the earlier years of their life. That is, that is the goal. That is, that is, what we want to strive for. So when should I discipline? As early as, as I can in that area. Okay, now, does that mean we spank a six-month-old? No, I think wisdom would tell us no, because a six-month-old doesn't have the ability always to connect what you're trying to deal with. Now, what we did with our kids, generally, is when they would do something that was wrong, Throw a temper tantrum at six months old because six-month-old kids can willfully, arrogantly throw temper tantrums. It's not about something they need. It's about their wants and their will. So what we would do is we would tell them no, and we'd just give them a slap on the wrist to get their attention, to let them know mommy and daddy are not happy with what you are doing right now. And, and so it helps to start early, do something, but it's not always going to look the same as it does when they're eight or nine years old. So what are the benefits of discipline? Proverbs 23, verse 13 says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. So what's the benefit there? 
there's a spiritual benefit. Your child learns right from wrong, and he learns that there is a God in heaven who will judge us for right and wrong, right? So their discipline has a spiritual benefit. It also has a moral benefit. Proverbs 20, verse 30, we read already, says, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly, and the belly there is referring to the heart in Hebrew culture, okay? It, so in spanking and discipline has a sense in which it, it purges away evil from the life of our child because they learn, I can't do this. I can't, I can't get away with this. But it also, and so some have argued that spanking values good behavior over a submissive heart. I want to I explain how that is not always the case, okay? And I, I generally, I could agree with this. If spanking is the only thing that you ever do, yes, you're just valuing good behavior and not the heart of the child. But I think that's an overly simplistic view of discipline on our heart. How often do the trials that God brings into our lives cause us to become more submissive to God, to love God more, right? Those trials can, at, can be the chastening of the Lord in our lives, and they, they do draw our hearts to God. Um, we've, we've used the example of Pharaoh and how he hardened his heart, but there's another example of another king, King Manasseh. Was he a good king or a bad king, kids? He was a bad king, okay? He was the main one that led Israel to be, have to go into captivity because of the sin that he led Israel into in those latter days. But towards the end of his life, God brought chastening and physical pain into his life. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 11 through 33 says, Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters, and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. What led Manasseh to a submissive, humble heart that knew that God was Jehovah was God. I highlighted these words. Thorns, fetters, and affliction. Those sound like physical, physical pain involved in that. And yet that physical pain in his life, the discipline of the Lord, turned his heart to, the, to God. So discipline can help draw us back into a relationship with God and humble us before him. Discipline also produces a character benefit. Hebrews 5 verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now this passage is about Jesus Christ, and I cannot explain to you how Jesus learned obedience. Okay, I'm not going to go into that right now. But the point here is that there is a connection in this passage between by uh, learning obedience and the things which he suffered. The physical pain of spanking reinforces the idea that sin has consequences. And so discipline has a spiritual benefit, a moral benefit, but it also helps develop character in our children. It hurts God because it separates us from sin, or from him. And we cannot enjoy an intimate relationship with him when, when our hearts are in sin. But also our sin hurts others. And discipline helps us see this. It hurts God, it, helps other, it hurts others. Most sins come at the cost of other people. Easiest illustration of this is a husband who chooses to commit adultery. Who's going to suffer for his sin? The wife and any kids that are, that are left behind are going to suffer for the sin. Sin doesn't just affect you. It affects other people as well. So it, it hurts God, it hurts others, but ultimately sin hurts us. Sin doesn't just hurt God and others, it hurts us. As a parent, I want to develop character in my children so I can spare them the headache that a life of sin will bring. Okay, so topics like this, discipline, spanking, they don't thrill me. And honestly, I don't really think they should thrill you as a parent either. There's something wrong there if it thrills you, okay? Um, I don't think God takes delight in disciplining his children either. But he knows it's necessary. And he loves his children. But it is important that we wrestle with this topic if we are ever going to raise our children God's way. The world, and almost every article you read on Facebook or video on Instagram or TikTok is going to tell you the exact opposite of what God's word says. 
So as with these issues, I'm begging you to trust God that he knows what is right. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. The world wants to mold you, to shape you in their way of thinking. But we need to resist the world's efforts to conform us to their image. This is a battle for the minds of our parents, but ultimately it's a battle for the lives of our kids. And I think, unfortunately, most of us are losing that battle. Next week, we'll look at a New Testament model of discipline as set forth in the book of Hebrews. Let's go ahead and stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As parents, maybe you've rejected this concept. I'm challenging you to change your mind. That's what repentance is, right? To change your mind on this issue. And let's move forward, trusting God that he knows what is right. Trusting that he knows what the results will be if we just follow his plan for proper parenting. Luke, do you mind closing us in prayer tonight?